0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Welcome in alongside Blair and Ulo, I'm Emily Proud. Today's show is all about the five stars, but... Before we get there, let's hit the headlines. Is Arch Manning still the top player in the 2023 class? Well, you will find out in just a couple of minutes, but he is at the top of our headlines today. The Texas commit breaking his silence on said commitment, talking to our Steve Wilt Fong for the first time since pledging to the Longhorns. He told Steve that he is actively working on recruiting some of the top uncommitted players in his class. So Blair, how does a pitch from Arch Manning sound?
2: Well, how about this, Emily? Let's do something special. Texas might not be back, but with you, DeAndre, with you, Deuce Robinson, with you, Anthony Hill, uh, we'll get there. We can get Texas back to the top. And oh, oh, look look who's calling me. Is that you, Uncle Peyton? Is that you, Uncle Eli? How are you? You want to talk to my friend DeAndre here? How about that for a recruiting pitch?
1: Yep, I would answer that call. All right, meanwhile, one of the top uncommitted players is no more. I'll go ahead and spoil this one for you. The top edge rusher in the class, Keon Keeley, officially committing to Alabama yesterday. Sorry, Ohio State, Florida, and Notre Dame. Nick Saban reeling in another big fish. How big is this fish, Blair? (laughs)
2: Yeah, he was the biggest fish still out there as of this past weekend, an early commitment to Notre Dame, but obviously Ohio State was was in the mix as well and and for Bama to beat them and for Nick Saban to flex his recruiting muscle, it obviously indicates how big of a pull that 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 coaching staff and that program still has.
1: All right, we are about to talk to our friend Andrew Ivins about the five stars. He's busy enough. He's not debuting a new freaks list. Don't worry. He doesn't need to, though, because Nicholas Harbour will still be at the top of that list. And it sounds like he had a pretty nice visit to his hometown team, Maryland. Steve Wilfong will have more on the trip later in the show. But Blair, how serious is his interest in the Terps?
2: Yes, Maryland is still a very legitimate destination. We've talked about his multifaceted recruitment from track and field standpoint, from a medical school standpoint. And obviously Maryland continues to make Nicholas Harbor feel that from a football standpoint, it's a place he could thrive as
0: well.
1: Alrighty, let's welcome in our newly appointed Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. Andrew, before we reveal the five stars, we have to explain what exactly we're doing today. Things a little bit different this year and will be going forward. So to start things off, how is the ranking process going to change here at 24-7 Sports?
3: Well, we're going to have five stars. and We're going to have them a lot earlier in the process. You know, 24-7 sports, they were the first ones to choose 32 as the number for five stars. And that's because of the NFL draft. You have 32 first round picks most years. Uh, In the past, we were really kind of selective and took our time with naming those five stars. But now the goal is to name them. The spring before senior seasons. And, uh, you know, we're going to have them earlier and earlier. Uh, That's the plan. And and right now, we're going to roll out our first uh, 32 for the class of 2023. These are not final rankings, right? We still got two weeks, uh, or in two weeks, we got some big all star games coming up, and there could be some changes in the coming months. But the plan moving forward, 32 five stars, and we're going to have them a lot earlier in the cycle instead of waiting until the buzzer at the end.
2: Yeah, Andrew, it's really interesting that you mentioned there's going to be fluidity here, right? This isn't going to be a final 32. Even with the introduction to the 2024 class or the 2025 class, there's going to be a lot of room for growth within the rankings for these players to rise or to drop. How fun is it going to be to evaluate prospects on that fluid scale?
3: Absolutely, Blair. I mean, our rankings, the NFL draft serves as the compass for us. That's when we're judged at the end, right? In late May, early April, everyone wants to see where we had a guy ranked. So when you peel back and open up the hood and look at the NFL scouting process, you know, when they turn the page on one cycle to the next cycle, they start at the top and they they build that board from the top down. They don't know if they're going to pick number one overall or number 32 overall. So, Our idea here and the thought is we're going to build out that 32 and there's going to be tons of movement, right? As we get new data points, as we get new uh, evaluations, everything's going to be taken into account. And guys, for the first time in a while, they could actually lose a fifth star at some point in that process.
1: Wow, all right, a lot of changes here, a lot of exciting things, but it is the moment that you have all been waiting for. I need a little drum kit or a horn or something, but it is time to reveal the 32 five stars, starting from 32 to 21. Three wide receivers making up this group. Two of them, Buckeye commits. Andrew Brandon Innes sits 31st in these rankings. His fellow Ohio State wide receiver commit, slightly ahead of him, Carnell Tate at 25. But what stands out to you about Innes and really helped him secure that fifth star?
3: it's his competitive nature he's fearless over the middle he's a guy that's going to elevate other people in the locker room around him he wants to win it'll be interesting to see what ryan day says next week You know once this wide receiver class that they have committed signs because we've gone back and forth about how we want to stack and rank these guys brandon ennis he might not be a 4-4 kid on the lasers but he's a guy that we think can go to ohio state catch passes at a high level and have a ton of success we're huge fans of of him and he is someone we have been scouting since he was in eighth grade down here in South Florida.
2: Andrew our biggest riser among the 32 five stars is offensive lineman and current LSU commit Salance Hurd. He ascended 44 spots from number 72 in the last update all the way up to 28 now. Why should Tigers fans be excited about his place in the
3: rankings? Well, I got to give my boy, Cooper Patagna some some credit here. He kept (laughs) nagging me, hey, watch Zalance's senior film, watch his senior film, and I saw Zalance at Florida State's elite camp back in July. I liked him then, then I turned on that senior tape Cooper was talking about, and I absolutely loved him. I think he's a prototypical NFL tackle, a guy that can protect the corner. Uh, He can get to that second level, but his upper body strength is super impressive. Took a major step forward from his junior and senior seasons, I mean, LSU, with what Brian Kelly is doing and that offensive line room, look out down the line in the SEC because that is an elite unit or has the makings of a potential elite unit one day
1: a great example of how these things change. Let's move up the rankings. Here is the list of prospects, 20 through 11. Three uncommitted players on this list. We'll talk about them individually with Steve Wiltfong coming up. So let's head on Hakeem Williams. Zalance Hurd making that biggest jump, we talked about that, but Williams also soaring up the rankings, 15 spots for him. How was the Florida State commit able to make that big leap?
3: This is all an upside play. You you mentioned the freaks list and and what I do with him and – Hakeem Williams is a kid at the state final four for basketball, posted back-to-back double-doubles. That's extremely difficult to do for Hakeem Williams. And you know what's even more freaky is this season, he had an 80-yard touchdown where he was wearing one shoe. He lost it at the line of scrimmage and still beat an entire defense down the field. With Hakeem Williams, he's 6'3", 200 pounds. We love the upside with him. He's going to have to get it all together. But, man, if he hits, we think he's potentially a Another Julio Jones, that's another comp that's been thrown out there for them. Mike Norvell, he's had a ton of success with big wide receivers. Hakeem Williams, he has a chance to be pretty special there in Tallahassee.
2: Another big name on that list there that we saw earlier, Samson Okunlola. He's the highest rated prospect that has yet to make a commitment left. In this twenty twenty three recruiting class, the five star offensive tackle will choose between Florida and Miami this coming Thursday, December sixteenth. Andrew, what catches your eye about Oakland Lola, and what makes him the number three offensive lineman in this class?
3: Well, Blair. As crazy as this sounds, I think offensive tackle might be one of the strongest position groups we have in the class of 2023. And Okan Lola, who's well over 300 pounds, might be the most athletic of the bunch. He calls himself the Pancake Honcho. He's a power-based player, uh, but he's still super quick. And we always talk about the multi-sport background with these athletes. Sampson is a very decorated wrestler, and that shows up on tape. I mean, you can see him transition his weight as if he's on a wrestling mat and. Move move guys out of the way so he's going to pick between Florida and Miami like you said those are believed to be the favorites. I think if he ends up at one of those schools he's a guy that's going to be pushing for not only playing time year you know year one but probably all conference honors at some point down the line and then eventually an early selection in the NFL draft.
1: We will get some intel from Steve Wiltfong on where he might be headed but guys it is time to break down the top 10 and coming in at number 10. Caleb Downs, he is the top-ranked safety in the class. He is from the state of Georgia, but is committed to Alabama.
3: Emily, I think he's one of the safest prospects in the entire class of, of 2023. You know, his brother Josh is going to be selected in the upcoming NFL Draft. Dad played at the highest level. His uncle played at the highest level. So he comes from a football family. And what's crazy about Caleb, if he just considered himself a running back and he didn't play safety, I think he would be a top two, four, seven prospect for us. He is that talented on the offensive side of the ball. We love him on defense. He's super smart, high football IQ, always puts himself in position to make plays i think he's going to go to alabama he's going to work with nick saban and as crazy as this sounds you know we saw minka fitzpatrick play as a freshman in tuscaloosa i think caleb downs is that good and he could be on the field in 2023 Uh, we just like him that much checking in at number nine is a player that's made headlines on and off the
2: field cormani McLean, the number one rated corner out of the state of florida he is committed to miami
3: yeah, Blair, and I think Cormani kind of represents the new age cornerback. If you look at the NFL right now, you have Tyreek Woolen and Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Those are the top two rookie corners, and they're both tall, lanky guys with ball skills. And that's exactly what Cormani McLean is. He's a converted wide receiver that picked off 19 passes his first two seasons at the varsity level playing defense. We love him. Still a little bit raw. You know, he's a tall, long guy, so he's not the most fluid of individuals individuals, but this season as a senior, he has shown he's not afraid to hit people. I think he's won. If this game continues to be a passing, you know, league at the highest, I think Cormani could hear his name selected early on one day.
1: Speaking of passing at number eight, Malachi Nelson, the quarterback from California, not going far. He's committed to USC.
3: He's just a pure distributor of the football, and honestly, probably one of the best in the class of 2023. When we always talk about delivery and release, Malachi's name continues to come up. He improved as a senior in terms of limiting the interceptions, improving his completion percentage. I'm excited about seeing him there uh, at USC with Lincoln Riley. We love the wide receivers that they have committed, and I think this is a guy that is going to keep plays alive in the pocket. I I just love how he kind of moves around in the face of pressure and fires that ball out of there. So we love Malachi Nelson, excited to see him in one of these all-star games, and it looks like he has a bright future ahead for him.
2: Next up at number seven is a player that Malachi Nelson will be targeting very often at USC. That would be Zachariah Branch, the number one rated wide receiver. He's from the state of Nevada and committed to the Trojans.
3: Blair, he's another one of my guys on the freaks list, 10-3 in the 100-meter dash, Uh, power cleans 315 pounds, which is impressive for a guy that weighs 170 pounds. I think if we had to look at everyone in the class of 2023, this is the closest thing to Tyreek Hill. Uh, Zachariah Brantz is a chunk play machine. He can make people miss in space. You're seeing it right here on the screen, and he can simply go. Uh, Also, I think improved Blair, you would agree with me, as a pass catcher, he He made some difficult contested catches for a guy that's under six foot. So Zachariah Branch, man, he is one of the most electric players in the class of 2023. And again, our comp for him is Cheetah, Tyreek Hill.
1: All right, switching gears completely here. Coming in at number six, Francis Maui Goa, the offensive lineman from Florida, plans to stay in-state and play for Miami.
3: Emily, you're not going to find a more battle-tested player uh, in the 2023 cycle than Mauagoa. Not only did he have to practice against the blue-chip pass rushers at IMG Academy every week, he had games this season against Deshaun Womack, um, uh, Damon Wilson, Peter Woods, uh, and we thought he aced all of those tests. He also w- w- squared off with Reuben Bain. I mean, this is a guy that is also a- another really talented athlete, uh, he controls his weight very well understands how to win with a punch. I think he's going to be ready to go. I would not be surprised if Mario Cristobal, where he's committed to Miami, if they have him already penciled in as a day one starter, maybe at right tackle somewhere in the interior. But Mauagoa, he has had a heck of a senior season. Again, went up against elite defensive linemen and held his own.
2: Let's stay in the trenches at number five, Caden Proctor, the number one rated offensive lineman in the country for this 2023 class from the state of Iowa and is committed to the Iowa Hawkeyes.
3: I'll be honest, guys, you know, that battle for the number one tackle spot went back and forth in our meetings. It was it Malagoa or was it Caden Proctor? We ended up settling on Proctor who was awesome in the state playoffs I go back to his state title championship game Uh, he was looking for work getting to the second level uh, there for his team and just the way he moves is different than others his size I would not be surprised if we come back from the all-star games and we're talking again hey is it Malagoa is it Proctor I think it might come down to uh, the eye of of the evaluator which one they like more but no Caden Proctor uh, really like him and his upside Tristan Wirfs has been tossed out there as a comp the former Iowa offensive line who went in the first round of the NFL draft. I like that one, Uh, but no, Caden Proctor, he is the real deal.
1: To the other side of the ball, at number four, Keon Keeley, the number one defensive player in the class, is from Florida and is headed to play for the Crimson Tide at Alabama.
3: 19 sacks 23 and a half tackles for loss as a senior he faced double teams every night and still found ways to impact the game i go back to the spring when i drove across the state to tampa to see keon keely he was a bit of a yeti no one had seen him i it took me two minutes to fire to the rankings chat hey this is an nfl guy just based on the frame he looks like someone that should be playing on sundays Big pickup for Alabama. You know we know he's going to go there and get coached up. It would have been the same thing if he went to Ohio State. But his ability to bend for someone that's over six foot five, uh, transition power to speed, it's all there. I think he's going to be a monster two three years from now. We list him as an edge, could potentially be a defensive lineman. It just depends on what happens when he gets to that training table. But no, Keon Keely, sky's the limit for him.
2: Checking in at number three, quarterback Dante Moore from the state of Michigan had a big summer, had a big senior season, and is currently committed to the Oregon Ducks.
3: I think game on the line, right? Two minute drill, you need someone to go in there. Dante Moore is the quarterback that all of our analysts would select. This guy has been lights out. Two time state champ has appeared in more varsity games on Friday nights than anyone else in the class of 2023 when it comes to quarterbacks in the top two, four, seven. He can make all the throws. And with Dante Moore, the thing a lot of people don't know is he's actually one of the youngest quarterbacks in the class of 2023. Normally a lot of these guys are held back. They're a bit older. I mean in Bennett, what, he's 25, uh, playing for the Georgia Bulldogs. No, Dante Moore still has a ton of good football ahead of him. I think his body's going to mature a little bit. We love him a lot. Again, he is a gamer, but he can still, uh, we can get a little bit more out of him. So excited to see Dante Moore and wherever he ends up signing here next week.
1: All right, coming in at number two, a new number two, Nico Iamaliava. The California quarterback is off to Rocky Top, Tennessee.
3: Yeah, this was another massive debate, and what it came down to is projection over production. And Dante Moore, Nico, uh, different analysts going back and forth about what, what what they liked. And just with Nico, it's the upside, and, and, and he is six foot five and a half. He has a rocket launcher for an arm, and what really led to us making this move was the fact that he improved here as a senior out in California, You know, he doesn't have the sample size as Dante Moore. But when we take that small volume and what we've seen from him in these controlled settings and then again on Friday nights, we like it a lot. We feel good about this move. Again, one will probably come revisit in in the coming months after the All-Star season. But Nico, he deserves this. Um, He is a freak athlete, could probably play college volleyball if he wanted to. Uh, He can make all the throws. And once he gets coached up, watch out because there's a ton of potential there. And at number one and still the number one player in this 2023
2: class, Arch Manning from the state of Louisiana, the five-star quarterback, will be making plays for Steve Sarkeesian over at Texas.
3: Look, man, everyone wants to knock Arch Manning. Oh, he didn't do this event. Oh, he didn't participate in this. Well, guess what, guys? Arch Manning, out of all the top two, four, seven quarterbacks, he threw more passes than any of them. He completed more passes than any of them. Look at him move on film in the pocket. Look at his frame. Throw in the fact that he's a multi-sport athlete. And I don't care if this kid's name was uh, Shane Falco or something like that. He would be (laughs) the number one quarterback for us. He has the resume. It's a battle-tested resume. He has done what he needs to do on Friday nights. Same school that produced Odell Beckham so let's let's get the narrative out there that it's just the Manning last name no Arch Manning had a great senior season only threw two interceptions I think it went 115 passes without throwing on that is the best in the class of 2023 so Arch Manning definitely deserves that number one spot.
1: Hard to debate that one, but Andrew, we have some questions here. The number one defensive player in the class making headlines yesterday with a surprise announcement. Acquiring top talent, though, as we know, pretty routine for Nick Saban and the Tide. But what is it about Keon Keeley that makes him the top player in the country on that side of the ball?
3: I talked about it with the frame and and his ability to win. You have 19 sacks, obviously, you know how to get after the quarterback. I think it's how he can impact plays in terms of getting his hands up in the passing lane. He still is pretty raw as a pass rusher. He only has a few moves, so we think there's more that he could potentially unlock. And then this came down to positional value. I mean, recent draft history and the trends show that the pass rushers go before the cornerbacks. We used to have Cormonti McClain, number four. Now it's Keon Keeley. Uh, Things are kind of shifting a little bit with it being a passing game in in terms of Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley. They went uh, in the top three last year. But Keon Keeley, we just like the total package with him and and what is still out there. Um, And we're excited to honestly see him in an all-star type of setting. He's never really been one that did the camps or uh, went to week-long things where he's going against the best of the best. So we're going to learn a lot about Keon Keeley here in the coming weeks. And, 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 you know, Alabama, again, Nick Saban, king of the sunshine state, he kind of gets what he wants down here uh, in Florida. Andrew, we look at the top 10 and obviously what
2: stands out is the inclusion of four five-star quarterbacks, including the top three. What stands out to you about this quarterback class in, in regards to what we've seen out of the
3: quarterbacks in recent classes? I think it's the depth, right? And, and, you know, we've we've definitely missed. We as an industry have missed on some arms as of late. Uh, you know, go back to the 2018 class. That was Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. There was also some other big names that came out of that group. You had Brock Purdy, Matt Corral, Zach Wilson. And why did I bring up 2018? Well, I think here in 2023, we have a chance to see a lot of quarterbacks potentially suit up on Sundays one day if, one day if things pan out. Obviously, we got the six uh, in the top in the top thirty two and, and that's headline but that by that group of three. But you also got Jaden Rashada. Once we get outside of that top thirty two, you have Avery Johnson, Christopher Vasina, Austin Novosad. So I wouldn't be surprised if this twenty twenty three group of arms netted a few uh potential NFL starters at some point down the line.
1: Whew to be a fly on the wall in some of those discussions. I'm sure they were heated. I'm sure they were spirited. And thank you so much for all your hard work, Andrew. Big day for you. But the work does not slow down from here. Again, this is just a first draft. There will be updates to these rankings. But this will be the standard we use for signing day coming up a week from tomorrow. Join us right here on the 24-7 Sports YouTube page for wall-to-wall coverage of National Signing Day. Well, Andrew Ivins and Cooper Patagna keep the conversation rolling with an in-depth discussion on the signal callers.
4: All right, Drew, we got a little movement atop of the top 247, and it's not Arch Manning, but a little shuffle between two and three as Dante Moore, the former number two quarterback in the top 247, is now number three, and leapfrogging him is Nico Aymaliyeva, one of the most talented passers in all of the land, Drew, me and you, Gabe Brooks, Chris Singletary, and the rest of the crew. We went back and forth on this discussion uh, for as much time as you could possibly think, trying to figure out which of these guys that we liked slotted above each other. And it was a very long, drawn-out debate. We end up going with Nico Ayamuleva in the two spot. And I don't think you could go wrong here, but really, what was it that convinced us to put Nico Ayamuleva above Dante Moore?
3: I just think it's that arm. Uh, Coop, and I know you've seen Nico throw numerous times. I've seen him down in Miami, I mean, heck, 11 months ago, and I was in awe just watching him whip it around the field. I think it's also a potential thing, and that's a bit crazy to say. I mean, Dante Moore is the youngest of the blue chip quarterbacks, but we feel like Nico has the higher ceiling, right? We've seen him, we know he's over six foot five. Again, he can create so much torque. Uh, And he's a plus athlete that's still figuring out how to play the position. We thought his senior season, uh, he elevated his play, took it to a different level. And there's still more to unlock. Coop, I think you've said it. You wouldn't be surprised if Nico pushes for playing time day one at Tennessee. I think you've said that to me multiple times. So why don't you tell the listeners?
4: An early enrollee in Knoxville. I just think this is a guy that's made a leap from his junior season to his senior season. The more experience, the more reps he gets, the more the game starts to slow down for him. Now I do think there's going to be a little bit of a jump once he gets to Knoxville in the sec, that's going to be expected. But you talk about the talent drew to me, he has the highest ceiling of any player in the class, not just the quarterback position. And when you look at the quarterback position, especially studying Sundays, Teams that have the most elevated ceilings are the teams that typically have guys like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And when you study those type of guys and what they were, it, it, dating back to even high school all the way throughout college, there were some inconsistencies there. A lot of these guys that were banked on as high upside prospects. I think we have that in a Nico Iamaleava, but I think this is going to be a guy that's going to play early. We talk so much about the arm, Drew. The other thing about Nico Amelieva, that sticks out to me is the pocket presence and awareness. I think his instincts are exceptional, his ability to extend plays, create explosive plays down the field. So when it came to that conversation, projection versus production, although Dante Moore is probably the safest player in this class, especially when it comes to quarterbacks, I think Nico Amelieva has the chance and the opportunity to raise the ceiling of any team he plays for. That's going to be in Knoxville under Josh Eipel. But Drew, there was another guy that that really turned some heads this season. Came on came onto our radar late last year at Denton Geyer in Texas. That is Jackson Arnold. He continues to inch up in the rankings. Another really impressive senior year from him. But what do you like about Jackson Arnold and what Oklahoma's getting?
3: He can beat you with the arm and the legs. in Coop, when we were sitting down to do our, our 32 five-stars in the player comparison, me and you kind of went back and forth. I said Taylor Heineke. He said, well, hey, is Taylor Heineke that good of a quarterback? And I'm like, he's starting on Sundays, right, making plays, and he's creative and crafty in the pocket. I think Jackson Arnold is the same thing, obviously playing a high level of competition there in the Lone Star State, someone we think that could also push for playing time as a youngster, year one, potentially for Brent Venables and the Sooners as they look to get that quarterback situation in that, in that quarterback room under control. Goop, you're his biggest fan. So why don't you tell us what what stands out about Jackson Arnold?
4: I think timing, anticipation, accuracy, and overall command of the position. I mean, it's pretty simple. When you turn on the tape of Jackson Arnold, that's what you get. You get a complete player who has a complete grip over the offense that he's in. I've loved watching him over the last two years at Denton Geyer. I think this is a guy that elevates his team around him and the skill around him drew you mentioned it how is he different than the rest of the guys in the top 32 i think the activity as a runner that's a part of his game that you have to respect plays with so much toughness this is a guy a three-level passer i love the way he plays and i think drew you said it dylan gabriel on his way back to Norman. Norman, has had some issues staying healthy. Oklahoma needs some depth. I wouldn't be surprised if Jackson Arnold is on the field as well, whether that's circumstance or whether that's just somebody that's going to push Dylan Gabriel. But I think Brent Venables has his game changer, program changer, for the next three to four years at the position. But, guys, that will wrap it up for us and for Andrew Ivans. I'm Cooper Patagna. Keep it locked to everything. Recruiting on 24-7 Sports it's going to be a busy week.
1: All right, five of these five stars are currently still deciding where they want to play their college ball. Maybe they know. We don't know yet, though. Each of those guys will make an instant impact wherever they end up. So, where might they be headed? Let's ask our Director of Recruiting, Steve Wiltfong. But first, before we get into all of that, we have to get an update here. Steve, you popped onto the show Thursday to let us know about Dante Moore's weekend visit to UCLA. It did happen. The photos of him and Bruins gear still haunting Oregon fans. How worried should they be about losing their prized quarterback?
5: Well, talking to folks at Detroit King and talking to other sources with knowledge of the recruitment earlier this week, I still think that Dante Moore sticks in Oregon's class. We'll see if he even visits Eugene this weekend. Obviously, UCLA has a lot to sell with the top five offense and Chip Kelly's history at the quarterback position. But I just think Oregon's and uh, the way they've been able to recruit Dante from start to finish. Obviously, Kenny Dillingham was a big part of it. But Dan Lanning certainly involved and kept in touch with Dante every step of the way with the new offensive coordinator hire. They've been out to Detroit for him to meet, meet him. And uh, I still think as it stands right now, Oregon hangs on to Dante more as they push for a top 10 recruiting class.
2: Steve, we've said it on this show before that all is fair in love and recruiting. Oregon saw their top-rated commit visit another school. They were hosting a prospect that's committed to another school. That would be David Hicks. He's committed to Texas A&M. What's the latest on him after his visit to, to Eugene?
5: Well, and Dan Lanning's in there tonight, too, to try and keep that momentum rolling. I think that Hicks loves Oregon. Look, this was his second visit in a month to Oregon and his fourth trip overall he went to their spring game took his official in the summer has now been there twice recently it's obvious that the young man is extremely high on Oregon and is thinking strongly about playing for the Ducks. Now, he's committed to Texas A&M. The Aggies were his first offer. Jimbo Fisher will be in there Wednesday. He's going to be back in College Station this weekend. The opportunity to play close to home. His dad's the head football coach at Katie Paytow, and it's very convenient for him to play at home and for the family to go and see him play in games. And then certainly an opportunity to play in a defensive scheme that he likes around talented guys like Walter Nolan and Shamar Stewart, I think all that's attractive for AM. Oklahoma is still punching here, Blair, Brent Venables, and, and, and uh, Todd Bates and company, who he has a great relationship with, will be in home on Thursday. But I think AM hangs on to him, but Oregon pushing hard here at the end. And I think that he's excited about a potential future in Eugene as well.
1: Okay, let's talk about those uncommitted players. The top uncommitted guy in 2023 is offensive lineman Samson Okanlola. He is set to announce on Thursday, so we won't have to wait too long. But Steve, he took an official to Florida this past weekend, but both you and Brian Doan have him crystal balled to Miami. So what's the latest?
5: That doesn't mean we're sleeping on Florida. He's taken two visits to the Gators in the last month, got a chance to watch them practice on his visit previous to this past weekend, which was his official visit, where he got more time around the staff, got a chance to get to know this Florida coaching staff even better, got a chance to see what they do for their athletes off the field, got a chance to be around some of their commits. And he likes the trajectory of the Florida program under Billy Napier and company. I think all that applies for Miami as well. I think the Hurricanes have been uh, in great position since going back to the summer. You have Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal in home today, Blair, so you know that's going to (laughs) be... Uh, a, a juiced up in home visit with a lot of energy and excitement. Samson and Francis Maigoa, those are two of the most coveted guys on Miami's board. You know how those guys love to recruit offensive line? I think that's a position of major need for them. Uh, th- those are two guys that I think could be instant impact players on the next level. Miami needs it. And I think that they're, uh, um, I-, I still like their position until someone tells me otherwise here down the stretch.
2: You talk about living room guys especially down the stretch heading into signing day Mario Cristobal you can never bet against him closing and and being a finisher close to to the end of the recruiting cycle Steve Nicholas Harbour took that official visit to Maryland this past weekend what stood out to you what stood out to him about his time there and what's the latest in his recruitment as he approaches signing day.
5: Well, two weeks, ago, two weeks in a row excuse me, that he's been at Maryland, went to a basketball game there two weeks ago. That was the family's first ever basketball game on the Terrapins campus. They love the energy and the environment there. Got a chance to spend time around Loxley and the staff. Then they come back this weekend for some more FaceTime with Mike Loxley and company. But also got a lot of FaceTime with the school president, the school athletic director. Nicholas Harbour has aspirations of playing in the NFL. He has aspirations of running in the next Olympics. Then he has aspirations of being a surgeon. So what do you do? You bring in one of the best orthopedic surgeons in the company to hang out with Nicholas Harbor as well. So Maryland laid out the red carpet for him. I think Michigan is another program that's an excellent position for him. Took an official visit in the fall to Michigan. I think Michigan checks a lot of boxes for Nicholas Harbor and his family as well. South Carolina, certainly the third program in play for Nicholas Harbor. I think he's super close with the Gamecock commits. He's built a great relationship with their staff. Took an official visit to Columbia this fall as well. He and his family say that they're going to uh, sign in February. He was thinking about taking an official visit to Georgia this weekend. That's not going to happen. So he'll have two official visits in play um, after the early signing period if he does not put pen to paper. I think some of these schools here are trying to push him to sign as well. Look, he's been to Maryland several times, he's been to Michigan several times, he's been to South Carolina several times. So we'll see what happens over the next eight, day, got eight days, guys. But I like where Maryland's position, I like where Michigan's position, I'm not sleeping on the Gamecocks either.
1: All right, five-star edge Mateo Ungalale is deciding between Ohio State, Oregon, and USC. He plans to announce on signing day next Wednesday, but his brother, you might've heard of him, DJ Ungalale, is also looking for a new spot after he hit the transfer portal. I don't know them personally, but I'm gonna use their first names to differentiate. How much will DJ's decision play a role in Mateo's?
5: Look, and and, and nobody closer to this recruitment than our colleague Greg Biggins out west, who's boots on the ground in Los Angeles, who's covered – Mateo's game several times, and then Blair, I know you got ears to the ground on this one. From my perspective, I still think Ohio State is best positioned for Mateo here because I think he really believes in the player development that Ohio State has for their defensive linemen, and the family really reveres Larry Johnson and thinks that's the guy that could get Mateo, get all the potential out of him during his college experience. Now, with And and, and Larry Johnson and Perry Eliano were both at – Mateo state championship game this past weekend. That being said, not sleeping on Oregon. I think that he's been to Ohio state this fall. Also been back to Oregon this fall, Dan Lanning and his ability to help build up that Georgia defense into one of the nation's best, if not the nation's best winning national championship. That pedigree is also exciting about Oregon. I think he's had great visits to Oregon and is also high on the ducks. He attended USC's victory over Notre Dame. You can't rule out the Trojans, and those are the three schools' best position. you got other schools like Georgia and Texas A&M swinging, and uh, obviously Biggins and, and Blair and company will, will bring this one home on the 24-7 Sports Network, so you want to follow their coverage.
2: Yeah, Steven, considering that Keon Keely is headed to Bama, that, that heightens the importance for Ohio State to land Mateo Uyangilele. Shifting gears to linebacker, the number one player in this 2023 class, Five star Anthony Hill from the state of Texas, still uncommitted, surprisingly, in a way, after he bounced from that commitment to AM. What's the latest on Anthony Hill and Texas?
5: Well, I think that's the team to beat. Uh, you know, I think that Texas AM has been trying to stay afloat in that recruitment since he reopened the process and decommitted from the Aggies earlier this fall. But I love Texas's position for Anthony Hill. Steve Sarkeesian and his and staffers will be in there on Thursday. Uh, He's going to announce his commitment on December 21st. And as Texas uh, tries to build their defense into uh, one that can compete with the powerhouse programs in the SEC, I love the way that they recruited the front seven in the 2022 cycle going into places like Alabama and Mississippi and beating SEC programs, top SEC programs for the best defensive players in the state. To keep Anthony Hill home would be massive. To beat the Aggies, to beat Oklahoma for this hard-hitting second-level defender that can bring you a pass-rushing presence, that would be huge for them as they continue to try and rebuild things in what will be year three for Steve Sarkeesian and company.
1: Meanwhile, a very exciting five-star uncommitted prospect, Deuce Robinson. has got some crystal balls in favor of USC, but he's also considering Alabama, Texas, Georgia. He's not expected to sign until February, so where do things stand now with his recruitment?
5: Well, I, I, I feel weird answering this question with Blair and Griel. <laughs> I know, right there he's on one of the, the crystal balls. has more information <laughs> than Blair there. But for me and my intel, I think that Georgia is the program to beat right now for Deuce Robinson. I think that Texas is a program that he's also very intrigued with, as you guys talked about at the top of the show. Arch Manning personally recruiting him, and I talked to Arch yesterday. Uh, uh, I think that means a lot to Deuce, and those two guys have really hit it off for a lot of this recruiting cycle, and an opportunity to play with Arch Manning at Texas is is major. USC, the early team to beat, in our opinion, for Deuce, still hanging around in that recruitment. Alabama, uh, Oregon, Louisville, some of the others he's shown interest in. This is a young man that wants to not only play in the NFL, he also wants to play major league baseball, Uh, uh, and do it at the same time, I believe, and I think he sees the player development of the tight end at Georgia, and and I think that really excites him. I think, uh, and and Blair may be, correct me if I'm wrong, this recruitment goes to February because this is a young man that I think wants to see what happens with the coach carousel and maybe where assistant coaches move around uh, before he uh, makes up his mind and, and puts pen to paper, and he's a young man that these schools will wait on. Not everybody can wait February. Spots can evaporate. But Deuce Robinson, he could wait past February if people have a spot
6: for him.
1: He is worth waiting for, as we say. Steve, we're a team here. We can all work together. I know you have your sources and Blair has his sources, but I'm going to go ahead and ask Blair a question while we've got him here. I mean, how sure are we that Deuce Robinson even plays college football? We know about the interest in baseball. Could he just play baseball?
2: Yeah, I spoke to a source this past weekend that mentioned that Baseball is still secondary to this, right? Football is still driving his recruitment. And I think he's looking at, at all the, the, the things, the, all the variables on the table. He has to consider the MLB draft, which is rumored to be looking at him, right? I think a lot of teams in Major League Baseball have been scouting him for, for a number of years now. Uh, but I think he understands his value as a as a dual sport athlete. He wants to play both for as long as he can, and I don't think he has a favorite sport. I think he wants to continue to do both. It's all it's what he's done. For his entire life uh you brought up an interesting point steve about the the, the leverage that he has right everyone's going to wait for Deuce robinson all those schools all those finalists are going to wait and and obviously any school can sign as many players as they want now as long as they stay under that 85 limit so uh, i think Deuce robinson knows that he's going to take his time it sounds like he will be going into february he wants to play baseball this spring and see what happens with the draft see what happens with the coaching carousel a lot of different variables it's one of the more interesting interesting and fascinating recruitments in this 2023 recruiting cycle.
5: I think the family uh knows they're guaranteed to play at least minor league baseball. So like you said, the it's finding the best development to get him to the NFL in addition to baseball where he is going to get an opportunity to be a pro in some capacity most likely and then he can create his own road from the minor leagues up to the to the big show.
1: Yeah, did you see that Aaron Judge contract? Pretty attractive to head to baseball these days. All right, because signing day, the transfer portal window, bowl season, and the college football playoff, not enough to keep us busy in the month of December, we also have coaching carousel news. And today, Purdue naming former Illinois defensive coordinator Ryan Walters its next head coach. He helped orchestrate the number one scoring defense this past season for the Illini. So Steve, what sort of impact can he make, though, as a recruiter?
5: Well, Purdue goes from off uh, exciting offensive <laughs> play caller to exciting aggressive defensive play caller, Ryan Walters, who I think as a recruiter is someone that's extremely relatable to kids. I think he uh, invests a lot of time in building personal relationships with top targets over the course of his career. And I think for a place like Purdue, he has shown a track record of being able to identify talent. And maybe it's a young man that plays a position like wide receiver in high school and he projects them to safety on on the college level. I just think he has an eye for talent, mining for talent. I think he likes that part of the job. I think he likes evaluating film and projecting guys, which at Purdue, that's going to be 95% of the battle here, right? Projecting guys and, and, and player development and scheming them up. And I think, you know, defensively, he likes to get his best defensive lineman matched up on the other team's uh, worst offensive lineman and go from there. And it'll be exciting to see what he does with his offensive coordinator. But from a recruiting standpoint, Ryan Walters is a guy that I think will identify well for Purdue, be involved in recruiting on the trail for the Boilermakers. And we'll see what happens as they try and build on what Jeff Rahm and his staff were able to do, which was obviously play in the Big Ten title game this past year. It's a place you can win, guys. It's a Got a great fan base. Uh, they sell out home games. They got brand new facilities there that are very sharp. And uh, so, uh, and there's a lot of talent in surrounding states like Ohio and Michigan and Illinois.
2: Yeah, a lot of excitement and a class that right now ranks in the 50s, which is pretty good, right? Considering how they have to recruit the evaluations, uh, being able to take pl- players that they're going to have to develop. But there's only eight days to go, Steve, until signing day. How does Ryan Walters salvage this class?
5: Well, I think it's uh, evaluating the guys that are currently in the fold, making sure he likes them and and their potential of helping Purdue keep it moving forward. Obviously, he probably has a relationship with some guys in the portal that probably translate over to Purdue now so we can see what happens there. And then look, I mean, this cycle is almost over. I know we love to talk recruiting here, but you just got to get the right man in the corner office and recruiting will eventually take care of itself. And it sounds like Purdue... Uh, Talked to a lot of potential candidates, interviewed interviewed guys, and Ryan Walters is the one that they settled in on, and and, and so uh, he's a guy that has a lot of potential for them. I don't know if he'll be able to do much in twenty twenty three, except for maybe hit on some key guys in the portal. Maybe he has a relationship with the recruiter too that will translate to Purdue. But it's 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 twenty twenty four for him that you'll be judging him. Purdue had one top twenty five class recently, Blair, with like David Bell and George Carlaftis and those guys. So when you have Big-time in-state guys, you got to make sure you win those battles. Brahm and company were able to do that, and those guys are obviously in the NFL. And I think Ryan Walters will be someone that high school coaches and in-state recruits like as well.
1: Love it. Thank you so much, Steve. Be sure to check out new episodes of the Wilt Fong Around every Monday and Friday on the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. And speaking of the page, it's a good time to go ahead and subscribe because this is coming up, signing day 2022, December 21st, beginning at 9 a.m. We're rolling all the way through until 6 p.m. Well, today has been a bittersweet one as the college football community is still mourning the death of Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach, truly one of one. From his staunch opinions on canny corn to love of pirates and cost-effective wedding advice to his sport-altering air raid attack, Leach's impact on college football and the people who love it is, like his knowledge, boundless. I want to bring in Steve Robertson, the publisher of jeanspage.com. Steve, our 24-7 Sports Mississippi State site, first off, my condolences. You covered Coach Leach for the last three seasons that he spent in Starkville. The stories coming out today from people who knew him well or just maybe had one fleeting moment with him or frankly, epic. No surprise there. As he was really a character on top of being a coach. So is there any story that you can share from your time with Leach?
6: Well, you. Th- having me but uh, it's been very day to see all these little anecdotes that people have shared and things of that nature just because you know you're caught up in the middle of it and you, and you consider your own grief and you find out that Mike Leach wasn't just special to you special to everybody I mean to love college football is to, co- to, to love coach Mike Leach and mm-hmm. you know just two weeks ago I was out in New Mexico uh, visiting my wife for a while she's working out there and As soon as he found out that she was uh, available, he goes, hey, let me talk to her. I want to tell her what a good guy she has. And uh, he wanted us to know all these great places to go eat. And then he followed up two days later with a text and said, hey, did you go to that restaurant? How was your meal? And that's the story of Mike Leach that I think is very important to understand. So people know about him as the coach. Fortunately, I I had a chance to know him as the man. And he is a legendary coach, but an even better person.
2: Steve, yeah, there was a lot of stories that came about. I remember one story there was a quarterback a few years ago when, when Mike Leach was at Washington State that he was recruiting. He went up to Pullman to visit and he was visibly nervous, visibly shaking. And the dad and, and the kid were kind of nervous to go up to Mike Leach and ask for a photo. Uh, but they en- ended up you know, having a great conversation. Mike Leach asked him why he was nervous and and all that sort of stuff. But it, it obviously speaks to his level of relationship building, right? And, and his ability to connect with people and meet new people. What did you know about him as a recruiter, and how he was able to build some of those relationships.
6: You know, I think the dads were probably more enamored with meeting Mike Leach than the recruits were. You know, it's like, I mean, if you're a, you're you're absolutely uh, a fan of Mike Leach, and. There were so many dads that wanted to come on the visits just to meet Mike and have their picture taken with Mike and go back and share that with their friends and things of that nature. Yeah, I think one of the things that really stands out about Mike as a recruiter, too, is that he handpicked his quarterbacks. I mean, like I think you look this year, states offered seven quarterbacks, true quarterbacks this year, and no quarterback offer is ever extended by an assistant coach. Mike Leach himself evaluates the film, evaluates the attributes, looks at the skill set. And he handpicks this guy. And that's what's interesting, too. Will Rogers, one of the most prolific quarterbacks in the history of college football. Mike Leach offered him at Washington State, didn't get him. And then Will goes to Mississippi State and Leach joins him. And so it's been a perfect marriage in many respects. But uh, I know Wyatt Rogers, Will's dad, was eager to go get his picture made with Mike once it was official.
1: Steve, thank you so much for those great stories and the perspective. He was incredibly compassionate and intentional, and I look forward to seeing more of your continued coverage. You can check that out at Jean's page. They've done an excellent job covering this tragic story, so please check out their continuing coverage and Steve's wonderful tribute entitled Pirate Power. The 24-7 Sports family offers our sincerest condolences to Leach's loved ones and the entire Bulldog family.